Well, hey, welcome back to another podcast for The Art of Relationships. It's really good to be with you. And one of the cool things, Tim, that we've been talking about um, is what does it mean to be uh, in a relationship or in a marriage and recognize that there's more to it. In fact, there's a spiritual side to this. And that spiritual component of any marriage, any relationship is one that a lot of people um, maybe don't pay that much attention to. And so one of the things that you did was put together some amazing resources, a great book on defending your marriage. And really the idea is, are we as familiar, aware, and prayerful in our marriages and in our relationships, yeah. because guess what? We have an enemy. And so we've been talking about that. And today it might be good for us to talk about coming up with a battle plan and the role prayer plays. But uh, Yeah, one of the reasons I wrote the book, Chris, uh, Defending Your Marriage, The Reality of Spiritual Battle, is there are books that have a chapter on spiritual battle. But there were very few marriage books, family books, that were specifically on the family and spiritual battle, marriage and spiritual battle, which I think Jesus would be shocked at. I mean, 25% of everything Jesus talked about had to do with spiritual battle. Every New Testament writer talks about the reality of spiritual battle. John says, the whole world lies in the hand of the evil one. My goodness. So as Christian couples and anybody interested in fostering God-honoring relationships, man, we need to be aware of this and not to go crazy, right? Right, But to be balanced. Uh, But my um, experience has been people aren't overreacting to spiritual battle. I think they're underreacting to it. And that's why we've been doing this series on spiritual battle. Yeah, so one of the things uh, that I think would be really helpful is suppose we've convinced listeners to some of our previous podcasts uh, on this that, yeah, um, this is a neglected area for me or for my marriage or my spouse, and um, I really want some practical tips. What can I do next? What are some ways then that I can begin to defend my marriage? Uh, and I guess maybe use another word. Defending almost feels defensive, and that's not what is implied there. But there's also an offensive, a yeah. way to take yeah. prayer uh, and begin to pray for things. So what do you think? Let's talk about that side of it. I think that'd be great. Uh-huh. And, and before we jump into the tips, the practicalities, let's establish one um, thing about the authority that a believer in Christ has. Right. So you and I both have read a very interesting individual. His name is Charles Kraft. He's an anthropologist. He spent a lifetime observing diverse people groups. And over time, he became convinced of two realities. First, the struggle against dark powers transcends borders and ethnicity. This, it, it's shocking, Chris, when anthropologically you take a look at different people groups, cultures, societies, there is a constant theme that there is an evil presence. There's an evil right. power that has to be um, somehow counteracted. He wrote over 20 books on the subject. Yeah. He taught at leading seminaries, and he's seen as an expert in the area of spiritual battle. And he talks about two different types of authority that I think we kind of need to be aware of. And uh, and the first one is what we would call um, position authority or status authority. And that's attached to us in our roles of power, such as married partners, uh, parents, aunts, uncles, bosses, teachers, pastors, church leaders, Sunday school teachers, right? If you are in a position of authority, then you can use that authority to protect the people that are under us. You told a great story that when we were um, 
with the property here at Biola, when we were doing some building things, you and a bunch of leaders did something really interesting. Why don't you tell them what you did? Yeah, it's a it's a different type of, I guess, authority, and that is this idea that um, we, as uh, those who have been put into a leadership role, um, need to take that seriously. So whatever that leadership role might be, maybe it's over your office space, or maybe you happen to be a leader and, and there's a building dedicated to that, or a whole campus, or maybe just even your home office, yeah. um, th- to realize that that has been given to you. And if we believe that all good things come from the Father of lights, right? Every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of light, right? It says. James. James, right? With whom there's no variation or yeah. shifting shadow. Things. And in so doing, well, think about that. We have we have a gift here. In fact, Tim, right now, where you and I are sitting in this podcast room is in the uh, School of Intercultural Studies, where Charles Kraft's wife, Meg Kraft, who has been a oh. longtime professor here, right? And Charles is a professor, you know, at Fuller, well-known American anthropologist and, and Christian speaker. But His notion and others has been this. Sometimes we do not realize the authority that we have over even space issues. So we would walk around this campus and pray once at the beginning of the year, uh, different leaders, including the president, we would walk Mm -hmm. around the building, let's say, of a dorm. And then we'd walk around a a classroom setting. And then we'd walk around a staff office the whole time praying that God would be the glorifying person. Person, that each of these places and buildings would lift him up and that there would be no evil mm. uh, presence on this campus. And that in it, we'd even walk around places where we were proposed building a new building and take that under authority because we literally had that kind of authority biblically given to us in order to pray about it. And so to say this building, this property, this location, this setting, this university and these students, we give to you, God, and we take authority over. And that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Now take that mm-hmm. and and apply it to a couple exactly. in their household who feel like, man, something's weird going on. So how would you do what you guys did yeah. as vice presidents, do it in the house? Uh, it was so challenging and, and so cool to do this, Tim, that one of the first things uh, that we did was w- at my home, I realized, wait, I own this home. This is where I live. So right now I've been given this gift and I have authority over it. And in that line in which there's even a very clear biblical demarcation of authority and what's been given to you. And so therefore I knew that we needed to pray over our house. So Mm -hmm. we would walk around our own property uh, and pray over it and just say, God, what everything that happens here in this property is for your glory. No evil shall be allowed here because you've given me that authority. And so even till we do that, and then we would do that over our car, over our kids. I do that over my classroom. I will Mm. pray and walk around and say, Lord, only your angels, only your spirit is welcome here. And in the hour that I have this classroom. I, you've been given, I'm the professor. I take your authority now and use that like a credit card and say, I have your 
now ability to use this and to claim authority over this. And so nothing that can be said here can the evil one penetrate. So that's kind of the idea. And so in your marriage, Tim, I think I think it's a great insight that you've had, which is we need to begin to do that over our marriages, over our families, over our spouses, over our bedrooms, over yeah. our living rooms, over the TV, over the yeah. computer, and then walk around and take authority and praying for that. Hey, let me give you uh, an example of that. The space issue, I think, is fascinating. Then I'll, I'll kind of apply it to something with, between me and my wife, Noreen. So, Chris, I don't know if you've ever felt this before, but I, I speak at um, marriage conferences like you do, and I'm in a hotel room, and I'm laying in bed, the lights are off, and this has only happened to me a handful of times ever since I've been a Christian. Chris, I'm laying there, and I absolutely feel something's over me. I mean, it is freaking me out. Almost like you can hear something breathing, and I mm. flip on that light, mm. and of course, there's nothing there. That was the first warfare prayer I've ever prayed. I called our good friend John and had him pray for us, and I literally walked around yeah. yes. that, and especially the TV. Think yeah. about what's been watched on a hotel TV with all the right. pay-per-view right. porn and all yeah. that stuff. And I just went around, and I made it up as I went. I mean, we'll give some <laughs> ideas, to, but I just said, Jesus' holy name is his special yeah. holy name. And and I went yeah. around and prayed, and yeah, the next morning, the only way I can explain it, Chris, it was like I had been transferred in my sleep from a smoking room to a non-smoking room. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I woke up and the presence was gone. It was now that that's only happened to me a handful of times, but that's what we're talking about. Is I had authority as a speaker at that conference to to uh, challenge what was happening in that hotel room. Tim, not only did you, I I, I believe I believe you are on, and obviously we believe this on clear biblical grounds for doing that. That this is something that you have been given as a child of God, and God gives you these gifts. He says you pray in my name, right? Mm-hmm. And He's given yeah. us some, which we'll talk about. But Tim, I. I not only believe that, but I also believe as you prayed for that conference, and I've heard you talk about praying over the ballroom where people yes, sit. Yeah. We, uh, Elisa and I, uh, had, on when we travel, we'll do the same thing that you guys do, is we will try and get there early and pray over the room where we're sitting, over the technology. Yeah. We'll, um, and just, you know, it could be a silent prayer. We prayed at a campus, a secular university campus, um, and we prayed over it. And, that bar, and I'm telling you, that next day, there's no way and people, were, it was a, at a university and there was a l- group that was very loud next door and their music was playing. Mm. And in the middle of our talk, you would get interrupted mm. and that sound. And so we just kept praying, Lord, there must be something going on here because there feels like, you know, yeah. there's too many interruptions and the audience people or the people in the audience are maybe not able to concentrate and to hear well. Well, Tim, we did realize it. And the yeah. fascinating thing that happened was at the end of this conference, there were non Christians in the audience, and a non-Christian couple came up, and she was actually a believer, and he was not, but Mm. he kept saying this to us. He goes, you know, something has just happened this weekend. I don't know what it is, but you're describing how do you have a Christ-centered marriage, and I don't... I'm not a Christian, but that really means something to me. I really want that. Can you tell me what that means? And so, Tim, I fully believe what happened next is simply because we had just been praying for protection, and I don't. I think the evil one was trying to get in yeah. there. And this kid, this person who was engaged, asked some very deep questions. He asked about the gospel. What does it mean mm-hmm. to become a Christian? And we shared it. And Tim, 
this guy accepted Christ in the oh, middle of a ballroom at a secular university in spite of a lot of this going on, and maybe, in fact, that was why it was there. It was so awesome to yeah. realize that there is something about prayers that are powerful and effective, and that maybe we just don't think about it as much, especially uh, not just when we travel, not just when we speak, not just when we go, but in our day-to-day worlds, praying over our children, praying over our marriages, yeah. and taking that authority that we have. Yeah, I like that. Not just playing, praying over spaces, but... Uh... Uh, when Noreen first started speaking at marriage conferences, it was kind of a wild deal. I was a theater major, right? I had done plays in front of live audiences. Noreen was a business major, right? She was like accounting and calculus. And and when we first started speaking, it's, you know, you know it's a terrifying thing to get in front of a ballroom full of people. And I remember uh, the first year she was doing that, we get evaluated at these conferences. 80 random people uh, are asked, even though it could be a thousand people in the audience. And, you know, and this is personality driven, but like Noreen could get 79 positive comments and one negative and, and, and would focus maybe on the negative. Mm-hmm. And so I remember one time there was just this snarky comment and it really shook Noreen's confidence. So as her husband, using my status authority, I just prayed over her and yeah. said, yeah. Uh, I reject any attack that's happening on her confidence, thinking yeah. less of herself, that she doesn't have anything to offer. So literally praying over her and saying, as her husband, with all the yeah. authority attached to that, I am rejecting any uh, demonic influence that would play upon her insecurities. Yeah. Tim, I think that is so valuable for people to just understand what that means. This idea that of, you know, the status that we hold in somebody's life, whether as parent, yeah. whether as spouse. And Tim, I think the interesting thing that you've done there, and I know you continue to do, and I do the same, is you don't always have to be praying with Noreen, holding hands and praying over her. No, that's right. You, you could be yeah. alone and, and just lifting her up. You can be walking around her car, right? You could be sitting there thinking about her and praying. And I think maybe some spouses need to realize to pray that specifically over yeah. your spouse can really be an amazing, effective way to have a battle plan against any attack and how to best defend your marriage starts right there, doesn't it? Yeah, and and we we just have to be honest. This doesn't always work. The prayers don't always work. As a lifelong fan of the Detroit Lions, I have prayed (laughs) against the darkness that has surrounded that football team, Chris. I have prayed for the quarterback's arm, and it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Nope. These are powerful forces, Chris. Yeah, we might want to theologically have a conversation about some of this first and the role that Detroit Lions plays in the history Why, as a lifelong fan born in Detroit, can I not use my status authority and pray for the Detroit Lions well, I think you can, Well, you can. You can pray. Just, I'm not quite sure. Well, okay, let's just move on. All right, perhaps we should, hey, there's a second type of authority, and it's what Kraft labels personal intimacy authority. Right. This type of authority comes not from a position, but an intimate relationship with Jesus. Yeah. This is what Kraft says. As we stay connected to the Lord, we gain the authority that personal intimacy brings, and we learn to use that authority in the right way. Jesus talks about this. He said, I'm the vine. He tells his disciples, you are the branches. If, If you remain in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. So this is an interesting one. Yep. So it doesn't mean that I, I can only pray for people that I have status authority That's over. Right. I can pray for my next door neighbor That's right. because of the love that Jesus has for my next door neighbor. And because I'm rooted in that love, yep. I now use that personal intimacy to then intercede for my neighbor. Yeah. And Tim, I think this is um, 
also something that's really insightful and important that we pay attention to, and it's our ability to therefore uh, have a posture of prayer towards those things, those those people that we come in contact with it with every day. Um, and I think it's amazing. You know, I think about the old woman before the judge mm. who sat there and prayed for deliverance from this, you know, accuser of hers and this person who was – and the judge kept saying, why do you keep coming to me and wearing me out? And he said – she says, well, okay, uh, I still – give me protection. Give me protection. Right. Okay, right. just because you're starting to – you know. but imagine that. Uh, yeah. What she did there, she persisted, and it was about something that was, uh, you know, important to her in her day-to-day being. And so I think, Tim, in our lives, there are just people that we see that come to mind. We might pass them on the street. Maybe we kind of know them. Maybe they're mm-hmm. work colleagues. Yeah. And because of our personal intimacy with Jesus, that we are a child of God, he has said, you give those prayers, you pray and lift them to me. And that's what's amazing about this is he's allowed us... And he says, I will hear. I mean, I listen to this. This is an amazing love language is that you talk with me about what's going on in your life. And that's pretty powerful. But but to me, this type of authority uh, brings up some interesting questions, right? Personal intimacy authority. So let's say there's a dad Mm -hmm. who obviously has authority over his family. There's a mom who has authority. But let's say that they become abusive parents, or let's say that they become neglectful parents. Mm -hmm. Well, I think in some ways their authority has been compromised, right, in the life of the kids. So I wonder, Chris, if when Kraft is talking about personal intimacy authority, if that might not be true of us as well. In other words, yeah, we're children of God, but we've allowed sin to take root in our lives. Uh That intimacy with Jesus isn't as strong as it used to be, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we were much more on fire with the Lord when we were in college, and now that's kind of subsided. So now I do wonder if that intimacy authority has Mm -hmm. been compromised because we are not in the vine. We're not connected to Jesus like we once were. Yeah, and I think that's probably a... um, an important moment for us, you know, that's kind of humble as well, because he says that those that are in the vine, those that are connected, right, those that are are part of my life, who, who Jesus was and his status and his relationship with Jesus, and we're part of that. And yeah. He says, come to me, right? And and Tim, I think that's very insightful. I, I always think a, a little bit, Matthew, uh, you know, about this passage in 1120 that talks about um, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Uh, you know, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Right? Yeah. For I'm gentle and humble in heart. And Tim, I think sometimes we forget that we are yoked with uh, Jesus. And sometimes when we unyoke ourselves or pull ourselves out from that, out uh, from under the vine, then it, we can begin to lose effectiveness, and our prayers right. uh, can also right. then maybe begin to be shallow, and we start to. Pray pray maybe for the wrong things as well. Yeah. And I would say to men listening, listen, when you got married, you gave up some of your freedom to be lax in your relationship with Christ, Yeah. right? Hey, it's not just about you anymore. Yeah. You now have another person, mm-hmm. a, a spouse, and of course, with wives to their husbands. But I'll never forget, Chris, when my youngest son was born, our firstborn. Man, that's a 
moment that changes your life when you suddenly become a father. Our producer right now uh, is smiling because he just became a brand new dad and it changes your life. So I remember being in the hospital room and Noreen telling me it was really late at night and she said, honey, just go home, get a good night's sleep. I'm going to be sleeping, the baby's sleeping. And I remember driving home, Chris, and the Holy Mm. Spirit saying to me, hey, things have changed. Your responsibility just took a significant turn and you need to rise up to it. So I think we're saying to listeners, yeah, don't think, don't be naive to think that my relationship with God is in the toilet yeah. and yet I'm going to evoke yeah. my status yeah. to fight warfare. Yeah. I, I think we've already compromised our effectiveness. Yeah, Tim, I think that's great. And I think for our listeners too, you're kind of getting into something else about when we're using the word prayer, there's a whole lot to that word mm. too, besides, you know, just prayer. It's being obedient in different ways. Yeah. It, it could involve things like when I confess my sins, right? When I am remaining obedient to Christ, when I intercede from others. But even this idea of um, fasting, right? Yeah. Uh, other ways in which I can begin to prayer. But I love that idea, Tim, of intimacy prayer and how Jesus practiced this himself. Remember, yeah. he went oh, off yeah. into that desert to be alone. This is God God himself, God as son, needing time to be intimate with God, right, in order to spend time there to show Man, this comes because I want to be in fellowship with God, and my conversation with Him are so important, and to listen to Him, because God oftentimes whispers. That's right, and He doesn't necessarily yell out very much. It, it occurred to me when you were talking about you know that status we have with yep. God, and that could affect our prayers. Yep. Remember what James says? He says an interesting thing: the prayers of a righteous oh, yeah. man accomplishes much. Interesting qualifier. Mm-hmm. Now we have to be careful here, okay? <laughs> we are people of grace. Yeah. All of us mess up. Yeah. All of us stumble. All yeah. of us have an idea what it means yeah. to be a good Christian husband, wife, parent, yeah. and we all fall short of that. Yeah. But I think we're talking about habitual sin. Yeah. I think we're allowing stumbling blocks to now come into our relationship. And I think it's good to step back and take an assessment. And in the book, uh, Defending Your Marriage, we have these assessments of saying, are you dressed in the armor of God? As a couple, do you have unity or are there footholds of bitterness, unforgiveness, cold heartedness towards each other? Well, just know, just like any army, that your supply line has been compromised or your gun has gotten Mm -hmm. rusty, Mm -hmm. it's gonna affect you. So again, I think it's wise that James says, hey, are you righteous? Are you following God, then you can lay hold of this power. That's good. Tim, there's another thing that you and I talked about uh, earlier, and that is this idea that when Jesus was here, he taught his disciples how to pray, Yeah. right? And he used, you know, um, uh, now what's a fairly common, you know, understanding of, you know, uh, a prayer that we he taught his followers. What is that a way? Is there a certain thing that you could use? As, you know, our Father who art in heaven, and hallowed be thy name. And he said, pray like this. And yeah. what do you think about that when it comes to? For some people, that's it's that quick first thing that comes to mind. Man, maybe maybe a lot of our listeners, you know, have fallen out of the habit of praying on a regular basis. But that prayer will come to mind on a regular, you know, or, or it'll come to mind when they think about this. And Jesus said, then when you do pray, pray this way. It's a great tool because I believe it, it 
it brings it, you know, a, a clarity and a way to focus our thoughts on God and then to do this. So what do you think about that? Yeah, and interesting that in the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yeah. So when you listen to that um, context, yeah. then you realize the Lord's Prayer is also a spiritual warfare type prayer. Mm. And as we walk through it with that kind of, right, our Father and are in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But deliver us from the evil one is the culmination um, of that kind of a prayer. Then we realize it's a warfare prayer. So let's go through it real quick sure, yeah, okay. and apply it to this idea of praying against dark forces. Mm-hmm. So it starts off, and I'm sure all of our listeners you know, can do it with us, but our Father who art in heaven, now how can that be warfare? Well, many people who write on spiritual warfare say the first thing Satan loves to do is to separate you from your relationship with yeah. God. Mm-hmm. So we were just talking about the prayers of a righteous man. Well, let's say you're not a righteous man. Let's say I've gone through a tough time in my walk with God. Jesus is saying, but when you pray, pray my Father mm-hmm. who art in heaven. So this relationship between you and God, nothing can assail it. Paul says in Romans, uh, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. So if you're a, tr- a follower of Jesus, you've accepted Christ as your Savior, and yet you're getting these thoughts that, hey, God's given up on you, man. You've sinned one, went, uh, one too many times. Man, that's when you stop and say, no, 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 Our, my Father. Father who art in heaven, nothing can separate me from God, my loving Father in heaven, which is a place of authority and power. Uh, That's great, Tim. It's a good insight to um, this positional uh, authority that we have because of our our heavenly Father, because he says, you know, John, I I love the way John talks about this, that we have been adopted as children, right? And 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 then he says, uh, an amazing thing that God has, the love that he's lavished upon us, that we should be called sons of God, right? And that is a pretty powerful thing. So, uh, Tim, I would love to take this, and why don't we do this? Why don't we take the rest of that prayer? That was a preview. We just gave them a preview. (laughs) And let's do that on our next podcast, because you know what? I think it's a great way to have a plan for your marriage. It's a simple way. It's easy to remember. If all of the other things out there seem overwhelming and intimidating and having to pray about this and authority and all of that, that at least this is something that seems pretty tangible that we can do. So why don't we pick that up on our next podcast? What do you think? That sounds great. Let's do that. Okay. Well, it's good to have everybody here. Let me just, Tim, recommend that uh, listeners, if you want more information, to um, come to our cmr.biola.edu website. And uh, there is so much out there just in general for relationships and marriages. And we want to be able to provide some of these services to you. Yeah, that's one of the reasons our center exists, is to be a clearinghouse of trusted resources. We have blogs, we have videos, we have Ask the Expert columns where we take listeners um, and readers questions so feel free to jump into our website we it's there for your use um, as well as this podcast, there's a multitude of other things, upcoming events that we're doing. So please check it out. Yeah, and and like us on you know it, on it, send please it out. like us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and send it out and, and 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 repost these kinds of things. It's really good for us to be able to see that we're having an impact. And so if you if you tweet it out, if you put it on Facebook, um, and, you know we would love that. You know, so be great. Mm-hmm.